what is the worst but funniest thing <laughs> that has ever happened to you at work? The worst but funniest. Worst wow. but funniest. I definitely go one place and then another place. Um, I know, right? I don't know if it is the worst, but um, there was a season in my life I was working for a church and I was meeting with my boss and the worship leader who I didn't, I didn't know super well yet um, came over to say hi to my boss and gave my boss a hug. And um, as an Enneagram seven, I sometimes make jokes that I immediately regret. Like my, my work path has been to put a little space in front of my jokes to think them through. But as a joke, I said, what, I don't get a hug. And I, I did not really know this person. And he was like, uh, well, uh, okay. But he was like vastly taller than me, but now I'm kind of like stuck in this moment. So I tried to stand up, but I'm on a stool and I'm very short and I have very short legs and he is very, very tall. So I'm like half on a stool trying to like do this awkward, huh? It was just like one of the most awkward moments of my life and completely my fault because I made this dumb joke, which I assumed he would just laugh off, which is why I should not assume. <laughs> <laughs> which we covered in episode, you know, in one the, uh, one of the uh, one of the previous episode. So it was, it yeah. was very, I mean, it, I ended up knowing that person pretty well and it was fine, but it was just a very awkward way to get to know that person. Bring the awkward. <laughs> So speaking of bringing the awkward. <laughs> yeah, tell us the story. So back when uh, Kimberly and I were both working at Roberto Clemente High School in Chicago, um, which is in the Humboldt Park uh, neighborhood, uh, we were having a, 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 a teacher meeting, like an in-service kind of thing. <laughs> I know what story You know the story, be. okay? <laughs> so uh, this is the worst but funniest, okay? <laughs> So I go to the restroom and I'm at the urinal, right? And this, this is like an old style urinal, you know, because the school was built like, I don't know, like the seventies probably. And so I had this big bulkhead thing, right? It's just like right here at my, my face. And while I'm standing at the urinal, I sneeze and hit the, hit the, the, this, the bulkhead of the urinal uh, or the valve or whatever it's called. Now, not knowing <laughs> <laughs> the damage that this had caused. Uh, I walk into, uh, I, I leave the bathroom washing my hands and everything. I walk into the meeting and like, it's in the library. Okay. So here's like, how many, we have like 150 yeah, teachers 150 probably. Teachers. And we are um, in the very back corner table because we were always the problem kids. We were <laughs> laughing at the back, not really doing what we're supposed to do. I know it's shocking, but yeah, so shocking. So he literally walks past every single table. Right. Of teachers. Right. And I, people just kept looking at me and looking at me. And so I go and I sat down next to Kimberly. And he's so smiling like, hey. hey, what's going on? And what I didn't realize is that there's literally blood like dripping down my forehead. Okay. <laughs> now. So I say, I say, uh, babe, you're, you're bleeding. What, <laughs> what happened? And he just bursts out laughing and he can't stop laughing. So now the meeting, he's walked in late past every teacher bleeding down his face and now he is like almost on the floor laughing right right because you have to understand this <laughs> is a good an... thing our principal loved him right loved right him. yeah um 
Because you got to understand, like in, in in our school, okay, we had 37 documented gangs in the 12 block radius that we served as a neighborhood school. So this was a tough school, right? So like, you know, and I had a, I had developed a a reputation for breaking up fights. So if I had come in bleeding, no one would have been that surprised, you know. But they all would have wanted to hear the story. And unfortunately, the story wasn't anything this story that great. Was a little less clever to tell. Right. This is just like, um, well. <laughs> so there you have it, right, my well, friends. This has been a great podcast. Great You're podcast. Yep. <laughs> so. <laughs> So if you would like to tell us your worst story, your oh worst God, but funniest story, us. please leave you may comment. do so in the comments, right? Wherever this video lands at, whether it be in LinkedIn or YouTube or Facebook or wherever. Always love to hear your stories. Uh, but to our listeners, welcome to the Kimberly and Coach Show, where we bring you actionable practices you can use in your leadership and collaboration today. Uh, I'm Coach Kimberly is right next to me today. We're talking about how to set boundaries <laughs> at work, which may or may not include telling stories about, you know, banging your head on the urinal valve. I don't know. Um, Please do not tell me stories about urinals could be a boundary <laughs> and that could be a boundary right was like mm. <laughs> so kimberly yes uh you know there's quite a, lot a segue of, <laughs> right quite the segue that's what i do um <laughs> you know there's a lot of people who who talk about boundaries there's a lot of people who also i think they kind of use like what they call boundaries really to control people trying to because i don't don't think they really understand i don't think we really have a clear definition because one of our previous Mm -hmm. podcasts we talked about clarity right and having a practice of clarity and just stating so let's just let's state some things about about boundaries or what is that what what are boundaries yeah i think um what you were kind of hinting at is that people sometimes misuse this word and people use it differently but the but this is my particular beef with the word boundaries Sometimes people try to create boundaries for other people mm. and, and, and it can be, become a way to control other people. Now, boundaries do limit other people, but what they're controlling is how you allow people to interact with and work and collaborate with you. Um. So I can set a boundary around me. I cannot set a boundary for someone else. Um, so that boundary might be, fantastic. It might be crazy, but it has to do with me. So um, a boundary could be something like, I am not going to read work emails after 5.30. So if there's an emergency, you need to call or text me. I will not be manning my inbox. Okay. Now I cannot say, coach, you are not allowed to look at your inbox after 5.30. That is not my boundary to set. (laughs) That's in his space. Now we could, as a company say, generally we do not have an expectation that people be in their inbox after 5.30. And if you are that company, that is really great. That's an important cultural practice. That could also become like a policy Mm -hmm. object too. Right. So a policy object is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. you know, in that respect, because a policy can be like a legal statement, like, well, and- this is this is what we do as a company. We don't work after five thirty. The end. You know, and that could mm-hmm. be a policy. Is that right. could that be a a type of boundary, or is that really just a policy object that are like, okay, 
Now, some people will use the term communal boundaries, and I will just state that I don't like it. Okay. Personally. So, all right. Because I think it confuses the matter because it runs into policy, it runs into permission and culture. Mm. Um, but I think what when boundaries are the clearest, we are thinking about how we want people to interact with us. Now, it could be anything from preferences to something that's legal and very specific, like a restraining order is a boundary. Um, if I say, you may not ask me about my sex life at work, that is a legal boundary. You know, you get into like sexual harassment law at that point mm. um, and HR legal situations and liability. So there are legal boundaries, but there could also be preference boundaries. Um, so an example could be, I could say, if you would like me to answer you, then I'm going to need you to address me as sunshiny princess of awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> now I could set that boundary. <laughs> Ben's laughing because that's his official title for me. It is. Yeah, I mean, it is. No one else calls me that. But I don't know why not. <laughs> but I, I could I can try to set whatever boundary I want. Doesn't mean that people will honor it. So that is a thing where people get very frustrated. Like I set a boundary and they didn't honor it. Um, and so what we want to talk about today is how you choose the boundaries that you set, which perhaps that last one is not one that you want to try to implement in your workplace, although it may be amusing. Um, but how do we choose the boundaries that we set? And then how do we actually do it? And so we want to get really practical around how you can do it, whether you are a collaborator, a team member, or even as a leader in terms of setting expectations and boundaries around what your team can expect from you. Okay. Okay. So um, when we're thinking about what boundaries we want to set, we have to weigh them against the culture of the workplace. So mm. um, to take it into a more practical example, the 530 um, end of inbox, you know, is I think a really good boundary. A lot of people would love to set boundaries around their inbox but they are afraid to. And the reason is because if you set a boundary, I will not check my email after 5.30, you may get that boundary honored. Like they will say, okay, we understand that about you. We're still going to email you, which is how an inbox works. You actually get to choose whether you look at it or <laughs> right. not. It's asynchronous communication. It right. can, it'll sit there. It'll still be there when you get to it. Yeah, It's hard to set it. You can try to set a boundary. Please do not email me after 5.30. That is pretty hard to set in our world. But you can say, please do not call me after 8.00 or please do not call me after 530, uh, unless it's an emergency of these particular things, you know, um, but when you set a boundary like that one, it, it may get honored and you may get fired. Okay. So when we set boundaries, that doesn't make us immune to consequences of the boundaries. If your culture is, let's say that you work at um, a suicide prevention hotline and you say like, I'm not going to check emails after 530 and that's in the middle of your shift. Well, it's not going to function in that job, right? That's very specific, but <sighs> your job may say, you know what? We really require you to be responsive to email until at least 6.30. That is our policy. If you want to continue to work here, then you need to shift your boundary. And sometimes we have to do that. So as we're choosing our boundaries, we have to be thinking about what functions for our community and what protects our health and well-being. <clears throat> so boundaries could be things around like um, time, clothing and appearance, how interruptions are handled, like 
if you're a boss or a leader, do you have an open door policy all the time? Can people interrupt you all the time? Do you have dedicated hours? What are the boundaries for loud conversations next to your workspace? Because you can set a boundary to say like, when I'm working here, I really need for you to be respectful and keep the volume under this level. I'm working Um, here. Again, something like that may or may not work. If you work in like a uh, stock pit where people are yelling things or like you're in a restaurant, you know, you you can't always do that, (laughs) but you can try. But what you're doing is you're saying, this is my preference. This is what would help me work. This is what I'm asking of you. Okay. Um, It could be around chain of command. Who can get an assignment? Who do you go to? Um, it can be around management and learning preferences, food, cleanliness, fridge etiquette. You see, you can see like there are lots of places where you can make a boundary. A lot of people have fridge boundaries in corporate spaces, right? Now you can turn that into a policy. If your name's not on it, it gets thrown out on Friday. That is not a boundary. That's a corporate policy. But if you want a fridge boundary, you would say, please do not eat anything with my name on it. I need special yogurt because I'm lactose intolerant. Okay. So once you've chosen your boundary that you want to set, there are a couple key things about setting a boundary. Okay. So the first thing you need to do is state the boundary. Now, a lot of people have boundaries in their hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Do not state them. Okay. But then they get mad when they're crossed. Ah, uh, the old, the old uh, Im- imaginary boundary trap. The imaginary boundary trap, yes. Okay. Um, if you want to set a boundary, my strong suggestion is that you state it. So a lot of people do boundary work like low-key with looks. I was an English teacher in, in Chicago. You can do a lot as a teacher with a look, especially, especially if you've already stated the boundary. So for example, we do not represent with um, gestures in my classroom. So if that is the case, when someone does it, I can look at them with my teacher look. And by the way, when she says represent with gestures, she means represent a gang for those of you who right, are like not necessarily in the... There's like a sign you might make with your hands right. depending on mm-hmm. which side of gang world you're on and what your actual gang is. Um, and so people, when they come in, they may sign to each other so in my classroom they know a, a clearer one would be um we don't swear we don't use swear words in my classroom um which was never actually my boundary because i frequently accidentally use swear words in my classroom <gasps> but um i always apologized i felt like i shouldn't but i still do. mrs culberson mrs culberson or as ben's te- students always called me mrs coach because they didn't know his <laughs> last name so they didn't know my last name <laughs> Anyway, um, it's true. It's once true. the boundary is known, then when someone crosses it, you can really do a lot with the look. So for example, um, if there is a boundary around which there should, there should be policy around joking, like what kind of jokes are acceptable hmm. so that when someone is making an unacceptable joke, you can sometimes just look at them in such a way that they completely shut down and apologize because everyone is, it's known this is not going to fly here. Um, and that can be policy, but it can also be particular to you. Um, so once you have that, you can start to play with, you know, giving a look or, or something. But it, when you are trying to set it, especially if you're trying to set it and it hasn't been in place before, you need to state it. 
Yeah. Okay. Kind of like we talked about in, the, in a previous episode, like stating a thing, being clear about the thing, whether it's a boundary or a practice that you're trying to implement with your team, that goes a long way because if, if you're, if you have it in your heart, like you said, they don't know, dude, they don't necessarily know. yeah. I mean, you know, unless you work at the psychic hotline, <laughs> you know, at which point I have questions, but, um, still <laughs> people are probably still not going to know your boundaries, well, but even if they do know, it's easier to, to act like there is a lack of clarity. To, to cross the boundary that you know is probably crossing the boundary and then say, well, you didn't say that or um, I wasn't sure what you would think, you know. So later when you go to address it, it, it was never stated. So you don't have that foundational piece of stating it. Now, once you've stated your boundary, then magically everyone follows it, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh-huh. This is, this is unlikely. I'm sorry to tell you. Right. It's because every time like we set traffic laws, everyone Everybody obeys them. them. Absolutely. Right. To the, to the letter. Now, especially if the boundary you are setting is a change, mm. it will be very unlikely that you'll have to set it one time. So for example, let's say that when you come into work, the first thing that happens is that your coworker tells you everything that is wrong with their life. So they, they give you the download of here's why I'm upset today. Okay. Mm, okay. So after a while, you think to yourself, this is not how I would like to start my day. It's actually kind of toxic for me. Now you have to do some work because you've established a pattern in your work collaboration that you are going to bond, at least they are going to bond with you over their frustrations and complaints. Okay. Here, hold all of my negatives. They're doing that because it works for them and they like it. Okay. But you don't like it. Let's just say maybe you love that and that's your thing and it's fine. But if you don't, and you want to set a boundary around that, when, when you say it the first time, it's not necessarily going to change the habitual pattern that you guys are in, which means that when it happens the next time you will need to restate it and you restate it one or two times and then if it is not being honored, which I've been in this conversation more than once with, with clients, then you have to restate it with an action. Okay. So I would say, you know what? It's really hard for me to start my day hearing everything that's frustrating you. I really want to start my day with positivity. And so if we could have quiet in the morning, I would like you to not tell me every frustration you have as soon as I walk in. So that person says, okay, sure. And then the next day they start to do that. I say, remember how we talked about that? I actually don't want to hear complaints first thing. In oh, the right, right, right. Okay. Ever. Sorry. Sorry. So let's say they keep doing it. Then I let that go. I restate it two or three times. And then I say, when this happens, I'm going to walk out of the room because I'm not, I'm not available to hear this. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to restate the boundary. I do not want to hear your complaints first thing in the morning. If they continue, I'm going to walk out of the room. Now, never, ever, ever, ever set an action step that you're not willing to take. Oh. If you do that, you will train people that your boundaries are meaningless. So if you aren't going to hold your boundary, let it go. But don't say you're going to do something and then not. Okay. And also don't make your action this extreme escalation when it could be something simple. You don't want to blow something up for no reason. So for example, this is a point where a lot of people say, if you do this tomorrow, I'm going to go to HR. 
well, now there's like a formal disciplinary complaint and there's, you know, people like me are brought in for this conversation, which is fine. I like that. But um, if you want to avoid going straight there, what you can do is say, if this happens tomorrow, I'm going to walk out of the room. I, I just, I won't speak. I will just walk away. Then when that happens, every time that that happens, you just walk out. And eventually what happens is whatever the behavior is, it stops working for the person that is doing the thing that you dislike. And when it stops working is when people change behavior. So that is the three-step process to setting an, any boundary. Okay. But at the, there is a certain point, though, that if they continue to push that boundary, you may have to go talk yes. to HR. I'm not saying don't talk to HR. Right. I'm just saying that people, when they get to the action step, they tend to be like, if this happens again, you're fired. Or if this happens again, I'm making a formal complaint. And there are things where that should be the case. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Racist joking, sexual advances, you know, like things that are extreme deserve extreme and immediate action, in my opinion. But when you're talking about little things, pick a little action step. And the best thing is whatever will remove you from the thing that you are trying to stop. So if you have the option to walk away, if you have the option to put on headphones, if you have the option, you know, whatever your action step will be. Yeah. Um, some people say like, if this continues to happen, I will start CCing someone for my, on, on, my, on my response. You have to decide what the action is, but I just recommend start with an action that doesn't blow everything up. And then if it doesn't work, then blow it up because yeah. especially if the behavior is unacceptable. Yep. Yep. So, um, quick example. Okay. All right. This is, I think this is something that you've taught that I want to bring out. Like, you know, when you have that coworker or that customer and you get them on the phone or on a zoom call and they just keep talking. Oh my gosh. They just keep going. <laughs> I mean, and they always ask for, do you have like 10 minutes? And then it always takes an hour right, and a half that, or 45 mm -hmm. minutes. Yeah. And so you can, so to begin with, you know, when you have that kind of like, this is like a, like an easy training exercise, I think, yeah. but you can say, Hey, you know what? I know there's a lot to discuss, but I have to meet, I have to end this call no later than X time, right? Whatever time that happens to be. Uh, and then, uh, you know, when you know that that person is going to exceed that time, you can, when you get close to the boundary, you can restate it. You can say, Hey, you know what? I, you know, I said, we got to, uh, we got to wrap this. I got a hard stop at two o'clock. Uh, it's one fifty-five. I need to hang up in the next five minutes. Can you wrap up your thoughts? And then at three o'clock or two o'clock, when the boundary was stated, you say, okay, it's 2 p.m. Hey, thanks so much for calling. I have to, I have to end the call right now. Okay. And then you hang up <laughs> and you keep to your boundary. And I think that's a really simple beginning. And you know what, especially in corporate culture, in most corporate cultures, I think those boundaries are very easily honored. And because it is common practice, at least in corporations in America, mm -hmm. you know, and so in, in other countries, we might have to be a little bit more forceful <laughs> you know, as I've, as I've learned working with people around the world, you know, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know that we normally talk like, you know, an hour and a half, bro, but you know, we got to, we got to cut this off. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think this is a great example to talk about where you might have a boundary in your heart. <laughs> like, you know, you have a hard stop at two, right? And they don't know. They called you at one forty-five, And so if, if at two o'clock you say, Hey man, I got to go. And you hang up that's going to perchance do some damage to your connection. 
But if you start the call and say, hey, I, I want to be able to take this call. I know you have some concerns, but I have a hard stop at two and I will have to hang up at two. You've set the expectations. So when you hang up at two, they're not going to be surprised or offended or they're less likely to be, right. especially if you give them a five or three minute warning. Like we've only got five minutes left. I am hanging this phone up at two. What do you need to say in the next five or three minutes? Um, those set settings of expectations can soften the boundary Mm. versus for example in the in the like com morning complaint situation if you don't state anything ever and then one day you just get up and walk out while they're complaining it'll send a message but relationally it's a lot more harsh if you haven't stated anything and they might not interpret it the way you mean for them to interpret it yeah right so, on all right okay the magic of boundaries magic friends. of boundaries it is weird how it does work, it does. by the way. When it's I, weird. When I first started trying to set boundaries, I had no faith that it would work. I was absolutely like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's lots of reasons for that. But when I first started putting these things into play, I literally felt like it was magic. Like if you tell people what you're available for, most people will honor it. Now mm -hmm. you might have like a really hard boss or you might have... You know, a t there are boundary busters, but if it doesn't work for them anymore, we all are trying to get our needs met, right? What you what you want to do with your boundaries is make it not work to bust that boundary anymore. And, and then it, it's magic. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. So as we bring today's conversation for landing, just a quick reminder, you can catch more Kimberly Coach content over at KimberlyandCoach.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts or on Google or wherever you happen to have found us. <laughs> and to our dear listener, thanks for tuning in to the Kimberly Coach Show, where we endorse singing your favorite song out loud in the car Yes. to the amusement and jealousy of other drivers on the road. We'll see you next time. Cheers.